When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I am joined uh, first on this week's episode. It's going to be a little bit of a two-parter, but first up, we got Michelle Kaufman, our Miami basketball beat writer at the Herald. Uh, we're going to do some football in the second half of the episode with Susan Miller-Degnan. We just finished up at practice. We're driving home separately while the basketball team was playing. Uh, a big basketball game. Miami hangs on for a two-point win uh, against Wake, getting to the ACC tournament semifinals for the second straight year. Uh, looks like they'll play Duke, I think, unless uh, it's looking. Yeah, happens. Duke. D- um, it, it would have it, it would have to be an FSU level collapse. Yeah, UM, I mean, a UM level collapse. In the <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we can get yeah. to that. Uh, but anyway, Michelle, thanks for for joining us. Um, we're not going to go too too specific because by the time a lot of people listen to this, it'll probably be they'll probably played that second round or semifinal game, but. Um, busy, busy time of the year for basketball. Let's start real quick with the Wake game, and then I want to talk about um, the win Saturday to win the ACC uh, against Pittsburgh, one of the, the bigger win moments in, in the program's history. But uh, today, Miami up, I think, 17 it was in the second half. Like always, they find a way to make it close in the end. Find a way to – the they, part, they keep... pulled them out. Yeah, so what, what, what's they're up trying to that? They're trying to increase the, the ratings. You know, they want to make sure <laughs> that you don't turn off the TV, don't take anything for granted. They have to – you know, squander leads until and then win. But yeah, I mean, it ha- it, it's happened a little. I think I'd be a little nervous if I were that. Yeah, that, that was where that was where I wanted to go first. I don't want to be too down after a win that sends them to the ACC semifinals and you know keeps them in play for a top four seed. Um, but how much of a concern to you? Because it has been obviously the Florida State game. I think was like guys came out of that and were like, we hope this is a wake up call, basically. But it kind of has been a trend all year long, their inability to put away pretty much anyone. How much of a concern is that for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, Coach, of course, Coach L is going to stay positive. And the players, they say, you know, a win's a win, survive in advance. Uh, You know, as long as they win, it doesn't matter if it's ugly. But I think you are pushing your luck a little bit if you think that every time you're going to be able to just pull out the shot that you need at the moment you need um, and, you know, the FSU game obviously was a complete debacle yeah. and collapse. And then, you know, the pick game, I mean, that was amazing, monumental win, which we'll discuss. It was it was a great <laughs> moment in, yeah. in you know, just everything, the atmosphere, the cutting down the nets, the fans, all that, the students. But if that shot went in, if that one shot went in, the UM would have lost that game. Yeah, you, they, you, and you could say that about a whole bunch of games. I mean, obviously the Florida State game is the one where it bit them, where the desperation shot does go in. But even today, Wake had a shot at half court to, with a chance to win. Um, yeah, like you said, Pitt, obviously. So, um, 
yeah, they, and they, that, that's the flaw with this team, right? They've got an elite, elite offense, one of the best offenses in the country. The defense is pretty, pretty bad, and um, you see, like they in college basketball, the best teams are the teams that can force the other team to go into those like four minute droughts because that's kind of what college people say college basketball is a game of runs, but really it's a game of like, are you going to be the team that has the terrible scoring drought? Because the offense is pretty bad all around in college basketball and, and Miami uh, to the, does not do that in a way that the good teams do. Like they, right. they get a little, I don't know if lazy is the right word on defense. Cause I'm sure they're trying hard, but uh, it looks lazy sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I think it's, it, and sometimes I think it's that they're they're moving so fast that they're a little careless. You know yeah, what I mean? Careless like is probably the better word than lazy. Yeah, I think that they're 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 you know they're kind of traveling at a hundred miles a minute, and um, when they're trying to defend or you know sometimes they they just cough the ball up you know or they just like make some pass that's just so fast and they're not thinking and you know it ends up being a turnover and. Um, you know, my husband and I were talking about the press. They're not very good, you know, against the press. I mean, you know, sometimes when they're pressed, they're not as good as obviously when they're free flowing, they're an amazing free flowing team in the open court. Um, but you know, when someone starts to press them and defend hard, they, you know, they, they do cough up the ball sometimes and that's where they mm-hmm. miss, you know, Charlie Moore. I mean, as you know, look, Isaiah Wong is ACC player of the year. Jordan Miller's a great player. Norchad O'Meara, all these guys. It's an incredible season. There's no way you can't say it. This team could end up being better than the other team. But as far as having like a really true point guard who handles the ball well and carefully, you know, that that's not really the kind of point guard that they have. They have great athletes. <clears throat> and shooters, but they sometimes are a little bit careless with the ball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the one and it's a glaring flaw we should say with this team is uh, I don't know if this rule has held true in the last couple of years. I, I'm sure it has. There was Mark Titus who uh, club trillion of club trillion fame once did the, the, there's a rule where it's, if you have one NBA guard and I think a top, 25 defense like that those are the two ingredients you need to win a championship Miami certainly has the NBA guard the defense though uh, and Ken Palm I think is outside the top 100 so it's like that that's a pretty big flaw for this team that for them to win a championship would be sort of unprecedented but um I mean their offense is pretty spectacular with those those couple of guys. The fact that like I mean, they're they the can, top offense, you know, they're the top offense yeah. in the league, and you know they can. They and one can of the top in the country. 80. I don't know where they rank in yeah. bomb, but they're pretty high up there. And the, and you even today when we're, we're talking about the we, we went straight to the flo- the the negatives from this game. The positives were that game was close at halftime, and then like in a flash it was not because they go right. on like a nineteen to four run. I think it was and. Um, yeah, and they were shooting, I think, 11 of 13. They, they've got they that the explosive ability that, that very yeah. few college teams do. Yeah, yeah. And they're, you know, they're, they play so well together. They, you know, they, they do. And, and Norchad O'Meara is, he's really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, for a guy, he's not tall, but he's so strong and, and he's really just such an, a unique dynamic player. And Jordan Miller is so versatile and Nigel Pack, you know, when he when he can when he shoots and you know when he's doing well he he plays well and then Isaiah's Isaiah's really solid I mean he's he's the team leader he's the quiet leader and and he's, he's the ACC when you can say that about the ACC player there you can be like he's solid like he's like the third guy you talk about it's pretty solid. good uh, pretty good uh, 
you're in pretty good shape in terms of your roster at least yeah oh yeah it's it's a good roster i mean that's the thing i you know when you think about all those guys that made all acc you know um you know second team third team whatever the they really you know sometimes isaiah isn't even their best player right and he was yeah ACC i mean they had stretches this year where it was like what's wrong with isaiah wong and it doesn't matter because they're they're they at least have so many scoring options. Um, yeah, and Wuga and Wuga has stepped it up. Yep. You know, Wuga has really stepped it up. I mean, Bensley Joseph has been good on defense, but Wuga has really stepped up the offense in that pick game. Again, they wouldn't have won that pick game if he hadn't hit six threes. Yeah, you know, six out of eight threes. So you know, they do have a lot of weapons, and they're 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 kind of on a mission. The team mm-hmm. is has great chemistry, which is very similar. To the other teams that that made deep runs, Miami teams, they were older, several transfers, great team chemistry. Yeah, um, the, All of those things still ring true with this team. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of that pick game, that's where I want to go next because that was um, – I didn't get to see – I mean, I was like kind of monitoring. I was covering the Panthers that night, so I wasn't like watching on TV with the volume on. But it seemed like about as electric – I mean, you've covered the team for, for a long time now. It seemed like about as electric an atmosphere as there – has ever been in that building. Yeah. I mean, the thing is it's students. I mean, the even though they had had some, they had had sellouts in previous right. seasons, but it was older people. It was people my age. It was people, my <laughs> husband's, you know, it was a lot of old alums who are very dedicated and loyal, but you know, they just clap politely. They're not going to be like, you know, dressed crazy and waving uh-huh. bad heads and screaming and dancing and all that stuff. And the students have finally figured out, I think that category five group plus building on the, the uh, elite eight last year, mm-hmm. that category five group, the leaders of that group have done a phenomenal job and uh, they've turned Miami students into true ACC basketball yeah. fans where it's like the thing to do now is for those kids to go to the Watt. They even call it the Watt. Like it was never called the Watt. It was the Wattsco Center. Yeah. You know, now all of a sudden it's like we're going to the Watt. We're going to the Watt. So you know, it's it's it has a little name. Mm-hmm. They had the blackout, the orange out, the white out, whatever. You know, they're they're doing orchestra. You know, they're they're kind of orchestrating things and having fun and being loud. And yeah, that atmosphere was as good as an atmosphere as I've ever seen at the university of Miami basketball. And I've been covering it since 1996. Um, and when they stormed the floor, I mean, I wasn't surprised when the, the announcer said, everybody stay in their seats. And I was like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, those it's kind like of the moments, vote of confidence. It means that no, that's it, not what's going to happen. If you got to warn about that, happen. it means it's not happening. Yeah. And they, they all stormed and then they all sang, we are the champions and you know, the cutting the nets and all that. I mean, it was really, a great, great moment. And I think, to be honest, this game uh, today that they played against Wake, I think they were they were so jacked up about winning mm-hmm. the ACC regular season title and all of the emotion and the, wearing the little nets on their hats and all that. I think they had to kind of uh, get some energy again, recharge the battery for this game against Wake. You know, I, I think they had to – they were a little slow starting today, and I think they yes. just didn't have the emotional – excitement that they had for that pick game yeah you wrote a column the other day about Miami being a basketball school or not a football school being a little bit of both and yeah still a football school in my opinion but this was like you 
obviously people clown on the Miami students for like not going to football games, but there's like, I kind of get it. Right. Who wants to hop on that bus? Right. I like they're, they're built in excuses. The fact that basketball, like the basketball team isn't, has been in such a good position. Obviously they had three down years in a row and COVID and that, that made it, it tough, but um, you know, that, that arena is on campus. That team is really good. Jim Laranega, like just, is probably the best coach Miami has ever had in any sport period. Like that guy's a hall of famer. Um, He makes they're good pretty much every year, even if they're other than, like I said, those couple of years, they were really hampered by the FBI investigation. Right. um, And some really bad injury luck. Yeah. Yeah. I pointed out that of the 12 years, I mean, of the 12 years, they've had 20 win seasons, eight of the 12 years. Yeah. Like that. And that's unprecedented at Miami, right? Jim Larry, like every, you can look, the pre-Laranega, post-Laranega splits are, are insane. Um, and it's cool to see that they, because they're like, I mean, you, you, we've talked about it on this show before, just like kind of frustrating how the student body and, you know, it's, a, people will say it's a private school, it's a small school, but, you know, Watsco Center is a small building uh, right on campus. Like it should have been a good home atmosphere. Like those small buildings, you know, I don't want to compare it to Cameron Indoor Stadium. Both of us have been in there, like, Watsko in some ways feels similar, you know, Cameron's older, more historical, right. obviously that, that program is better, but um, like it's a good home, like those small gyms can be really good home court atmospheres. And great, it was it really cool atmosphere. to see it turn into one this year. Yeah. And it did, it did. This is as good this year, overall, the student attendance and the, the noise, the decibel level is completely different from what it was. Like I said, even if there were games like FSU and Duke, there were certain games that always sold out, but it wasn't that loud. It wasn't like it yeah. is now. I mean, it is loud and the students are really into it. I mean, they're, you know, if there's a call they don't like, they're screaming and whatever and complaining. And it's like a real bona fide ACC venue now, which yeah. it was not before. It was one of the worst. It was, it just had no. Yeah. It was just flat, you know, it had no atmosphere and, and it really does now. It does. Yeah. Even, the, even the pep band is twice the size that it was. It used to be like 12 of them and now it's like 30 of them or something. So it's, it's, it's really been fun this year. It's been a really yeah, it gets, fun to cover. Yeah. And it gets loud in there. And, um, you know, this is the kind of season that creates fans, right? It's like, uh, I, there's been a lot of talk about like how, Gen Z and the younger generations aren't as big of sports fans as people from my generation and your generation. And uh, obviously there's it's been like a decade long story now, about declining attendance at college football games and all that kind of stuff. But like uh, there's nothing, I mean, I'm biased. I grew up going to Maryland games my entire childhood when they were a power ACC powerhouse and there's nothing like a college, great college basketball atmosphere. And that's a season like this is one that creates you know, they're going to, even if the team falls off a little bit next year, you would think like those students who are going to games this year, they're going to want to go to games next year. And then if they stay in, like it, it creates lifelong fans. And uh, it's a program that over the last kind of de- decade has obviously become something unlike they've ever been and, and kind of deserve it. Um, and then obviously just that win on, on Saturday, they've obviously they've won the ACC before, so it wasn't unprecedented, but as you said, like, you know, be able to do it at home, uh, after it was only you know, the second time. I mean, it took only 10 the second years time. To do it again. And you yeah. think about where this program was 18 months ago, where yeah. there was a lot of. I don't think Miami ever got close to thinking about firing Jim Laranega, but there were definitely 
well, there were frustration among the fan base. Yeah, yeah, there were fans who posted those things on Twitter. But you know, in the last eighteen months, it totally has flipped back to now. Now Miami basketball has kind of been a better spot than it's ever been, and and that was not you know obviously they want to go on a run again in the tournament here, but even more than the Elite Eight run, which was the first time ever, like running through the ACC like they did this year is kind of like the crowning achievement of this two year uh two year run so far I yeah think. and to be whatever 15 and one or whatever you know yeah at home and i mean they they broke so many records this year they did so many things that they hadn't done and um and you know all credit to coach larinaga and you know isaiah wong for yeah i was gonna say like isaiah wong i mean jordan miller only back, here for two that years. was a big yeah. lift you know when everybody when they lost all the guys from the ace from the uh elite eight team I really was wondering like, well, you know, like who's coming back just yeah. Benzie Joseph and Anthony Walker. I mean, you know, I didn't know how this team was going to be. And when Isaiah came back, that was a huge lift. Jordan Miller had played really well last year too. So he just elevated his game and, yeah. and his profile. Um, but it was a big deal when Isaiah came back and then to get those two transfers and, and they just picked up right where they left off, which is not what I expected. And it was, it was, surprising to me they've been surprising yeah. that they're they're better than i thought they were going to be this year for sure yeah um i don't want to talk too much tournament preview because a lot will change between now and selection sunday but what i think the light, latest bracketology i saw miami at five it feels to me like if they go on a run here through the rest of the weekend they could they could jump into that top four I don't know. I, I would think if you win the ACC tournament and the regular season you got to oh, i would think got a shot at a three seed maybe even yeah. like we'll we'll see um but Good. Yeah, three or four, and you know it could be Orlando. Yeah, which would if be they end up in Orlando. That would be you know they they a lot of the fans would be able to go. And I was already hearing some students say you know that yeah. if they end up in Orlando, they were going to make the they were going to drive and caravan and whatever. So that would be that would even elevate things again for the fan base for these local students who were not fans and all of a sudden are fans if they could jump on and actually experience an NCAA tournament which yeah. is something most of them never have, um, that would also, you know, definitely give them a taste of what college basketball, NCAA tournament, March Madness, all that stuff. Um, I think that would even raise things to a higher level. Yeah, it'll be spring break, so uh, yeah. good, a good excuse to get a trip to Orlando, maybe. Um, yes. All right, Michelle, uh, thanks for coming on. We'll hopefully get you back on next. We'll see when Miami's schedule how Miami schedule shakes out in the first right. round next week uh but hopefully we'll get you back on and if not certainly uh at some point in in the next couple of weeks here to talk some more basketball because uh it's the most wonderful time of the year it, it is I agree to me it's the best American sporting event is, it is is the NCAA tournament I love one and done I know it's cruel <laughs> I know great teams can lose to little teams but that's what makes it so you know the best of seven best of five series uh whatever I love the one and done. I, you know, you root for, you learn these little teams you've never heard of before. And, and sometimes they pull these upsets and it's just, you just never know. So yeah, Miami, Miami has been on both ends of it, right? Losing to Loyola uh, as as a top six seed, I think they were. And then obviously last year they were the little underdog and and went all the way to the elite eight. So yeah. uh, So it'll be fun. All right. Well, we'll talk again. Yeah. Uh, You can follow Michelle on Twitter at cough sports. Obviously she's got uh, lots of basketball coverage here over the next couple of weeks. Um, So check her out and check out MiamiHerald.com for all of our Miami coverage. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break now though. We'll be back with uh, Susan Miller Degnan to talk about the first wing first week of spring practice uh, in Miami.
Got my got my beer. All right. Okay, we're back. Uh, now joined by Susan Miller Degnan talking football. We finished up uh, a couple hours ago down on Green Tree, uh, the third day of Miami spring practice in the books. They'll now have uh, a little more than a week off for spring break before they get back out there again in a couple of weeks. Um, so three practices in the books. We wanted to give three our three biggest takeaways from three days of spring practice. Um, and Susan, we're going to start with number one, which is uh, it kind of feels like the first day of, uh, of the Mario Cristobal era all over again uh, with all these coaching changes. I think the biggest takeaway from these coaching changes, which I guess we can run through really quickly, obviously, um, we've got Shannon Dawson as the new offensive coordinator. We've got yep. uh, Lance Gidry as the new defensive coordinator. We've got Tim Harris Jr. as the new running backs coach. Um, we have, uh, Kevin Beard as the new wide receivers coach and we have Jason Taylor as the new defensive line coach. Um, I'm missing anyone, but Derek Nicholson. Oh, right. And yeah, we have Derek Nicholson as the new linebackers coach outside linebackers, outside (laughs) linebackers coach. Um, so new coaches all across the board. We can touch a little bit on what we've seen from all of them, but the, the, the place I wanted to start where there's really a big takeaway is it does sound like this offense is going to be different just based off conversations with uh mario cristobal on saturday tyler van dyke on saturday uh, and then i wasn't there tuesday but you guys uh got to talk to both shannon dawson and lance gidgery um you know they kind of acknowledge like the, at least the passing game is, is going to look pretty different i think than it did last year i think so i i'm not sure which isn't surprising but in some ways it is because mario can kind of be stubborn and, and stuck in his ways but um given what shannon dawson brings it it makes sense that it's gonna be different hold on i need a little sound effects it's my podcast beer yeah, i don't think we could hear it <laughs> oh you can't hear it no, uh, it was a little my quiet seven, seven up zero sugar <laughs> uh, yeah and the thing is yeah i mean mario i think is in on the passing stuff but i yeah. um we did, you know, out of all those coaches, we didn't talk to all of them. Right. We we did get to interview uh, defensive coordinator Lance Gidry, offensive coordinator Shannon Dawson. That was it as far as interviewing the new coaches. But those, you know, were the ones we really wanted to talk to. Yeah. As, as far as the offensive coordinator, um, he, they were very different, the, the two guys. Uh, hmm. the, the personality. So the uh, they're both, by the way, Cajuns. As Lance Gidry is very happy, they're both from Southern Louisiana. <laughs> uh-huh. and have that Cajun drawl, and um, but different, different. I the, Dawson, he had a sinus infection, which didn't help. Okay, he was super, super hoarse. His voice, he could hardly talk was friendly but he didn't say really anything he didn't say anything okay Mm -hmm. he was very general um um said that yeah he's gonna pass but you know and he wants to pass for more yards that that, than they did last year he said but uh he's also gonna run he just sounded like every other offensive coordinator i've ever heard um and he didn't give any specifics about players other than saying that he was high on Tyler. Yeah. 
we're calling Tyler uh, Van Dyke, starting quarterback, elite, and said that they probably, UM was probably a little, little farther along than he had expected with, with, with picking up his offense, and he credited Tyler for that. He said he was impressed with uh, Jakari Brown and that uh, that Emory Williams, the incoming freshman quarterback, he's a freshman and he should be in high school. That was pretty much the mm-hmm. gist of that. Although I'm, I'm impressed with Emory Williams. He, he's, he looks like a strong kid and stuff. And uh, I don't know. I'm really interested in seeing how he does. But anyway, he didn't. Shannon Dawson didn't. Um, he didn't say anything really. He didn't say much. Um, so we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, the the players all seem to like him a lot. Um, and today, for example, I know we're going to talk about the O line, okay? But today, yeah. Inez, Inez Cooper, sophomore right guard, was saying that um, uh, he liked him because I don't know he. It seemed like they were picking up the offense more, or something, or he didn't have to look to the sideline as much for signals. That might just because he's a, be because he's a year older. Um, and um, I then, as far as Gidry goes, really liked him a lot. As far as personality, everybody did. Um, you know, we've had two good defensive coordinators in a row as far as dealing with the media mm-hmm. he seemed really really good uh he's not worried about telling people whatever um he said uh, you know he, he was saying that everybody thinks they run a hybrid two four five um and it's it's not true he said it's two defensive ends that are standing up which we've i think everybody's kind yeah of that right yep um he said they they kind of look like outside linebackers, um, uh, but he said it's four down linemen, two backs, and five DBs. He said sometimes they'll go again, which we ran, which we wrote four three with three linebackers uh, when the offenses go heavy personnel. Anyway, um, he he seemed I liked him because he's kind of uh, he does a lot of different things. I think um, he's probably pretty intuitive. And a little bit unorthodox. Um, he said he likes to learn a little bit from everybody. Um, and uh, he's he, and the defensive linemen are a lot of them are out now. Yeah, yeah. He said well, probably four of the starters on paper. He said are out. So I didn't realize he said that. I, I wrote that today because it, uh, it, yeah. yeah. I, we're not yeah. going to talk. We should say we're not going to probably talk a whole lot about the defense because they have a lot of injuries. Uh, Akeem Mesidor, Jafari Harvey, Leonard Taylor, uh, Jared Harrison Hunt. You know those that might be their starting defensive line. All those guys are right. out. Jacob Lichtenstein has been in that red jersey. Uh, James Williams is out. That's obviously going to be one of the starting safeties. Cornerbacks. Uh, they're replacing two starters. We really have no feel yet. Who those guys are going to be? Corey Flag. There's been reports will be limited in in spring, although we've seen him out. Oh, there. we did say. Oh, not to not to mention that for all the people listening to this podcast or watching or whatever you do, it's it's uh the defense is kind of on the especially the, the defensive line. We get a good, pretty good look at the DBs, but yeah, the, yeah, the we do. We seven. get a we get a yeah. good look at DBs. They're on the other side of the field, kind of from the offense where everybody tends to gather. But yeah. 
they're very far away, the D linemen, um, as are the O linemen, but we get to see some of that in the we very see, like some seven on seven and like 11 yeah. on O type stuff. Exactly. Um, so, any, uh, anything else stand out to you from the other coaches other than the coordinators? To me, it's like yeah. kind of crazy watching yeah. Jason Taylor, like be a college football coach out there They're, again, D lines far away, but I, I was watching them a little bit. Just, I don't know if Jason, what Taylor, did you a hall of, a J- I, I just think if Jason Taylor, a hall of famer is out there, like, demonstrating how to go through a drill and like running through some like pads and stuff like I don't know that that can't get you like fired up I don't know what will I could come to you I if I were a <laughs> player if I were a defensive lineman I'd come to UM just to learn from him yeah exactly I like, mean, come on, it's, you could- like obviously it's one thing to hear it but then when you like actually see it and like they're like oh right that's Jason Taylor like that guy's one of the best defensive linemen of all time and he's just casually being the defensive line coach for Miami, and, and, which went and, five and seven last year. Exactly. And by the way, uh, Gidry said that, um, that he imagines he'll be a uh, defensive coordinator. Yeah. And I would say, yeah. like, I think I've said it on the show before he at St. Thomas Aquinas, obviously St. Thomas Aquinas has a ton of talent, but like he was like really, really highly thought of there. Like they, they, he, I mean, he was their defensive coordinator there, but like, Everyone knew when he was there that his future was NFL or college football. He'll like, definitely. It, it was just a matter of time. He'll definitely end up that. And um, yeah, so that's kind of cool. And and I noticed um, Kevin Beard. Yeah. Because as I know him, even though I haven't even been able to catch his eye to say hello, but he's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but I covered him when he played and um and I know him, same personality, uh, very friendly, but he was intense, but yeah. not, not in a, uh, he's a very nice guy. So not like in a mean intensity, intense. Yeah. Okay. If that makes sense, kind of an upbeat intensity, but not, he, I, you know, I noticed him today. He was, he was, uh, he was instructing a lot, mm-hmm. very hands-on. I know last year. When Gaddis came, uh, you know, we said the same thing. It was true. We were watching yeah. the with the receivers and stuff. But, um, yeah, they, they they like Kevin B. I mean, we talked to Colby Young today, and uh, I know you're doing a story on him, and, and he he um, he seemed to really like Kevin Beard and stuff. But I, yeah. I liked watching him a lot. And also Tim Harris, Jr. Yeah. Who's that? Ice was there today. Yeah, Ice was there walking around with Ed Ogeron, who I'm, sure is loving, who I'm sure is loving this Cajun flavor on the coaching staff. Yeah. Um, he's been at practice, I think, every – he was definitely there Saturday and, and Thursday. I don't know if he was out there Tuesday, but, yeah. Got a good tan going. <laughs> I think yeah. he's enjoying retirement or whatever he's in technically right now. I think uh, he is. Uh, number yeah. two, so Tim. That's, anyway, Tim Harris, you yeah. know, was working hard with I, – I, I like those assistants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know Derek Nick. I just don't know. I know Tim, of course, and right. I know. So I don't know the other guys really well. Uh, number two takeaway to me is uh, this is still Tyler Van Dyke's team. Uh, not that there should have been a lot of doubt, but again, this guy only played. Um, he actually technically played a lot of games, but got knocked out of three of them. So, you know, uh, I think there were. I don't want to say there were questions about Tyler, but. You know, it, it's been a long time since we got to really like see Tyler Van Dyke be the centerpiece of everything Miami is doing. And 
the coaches are all raving about him. Uh, the trans Matt, you know, we talked to Matt Lee today and he talked about how, when he came on his official visit uh, in, I guess it would have been January when he was deciding where he wanted to transfer Tyler, obviously the, they were on winter break, but Tyler flew home from Connecticut for the visit. Um, so he could be there to like kind of host Matt Lee. Um, right. Obviously we're seeing him practice, which we had talked about that before camp. Like, was he going to be out there in full, you know, coming off an injury what was he going to be able to do seems like he's a full participant out there um it was just you know these these couple of days have been a reminder that this everything not in a bad way not in like a, he's a diva way but like everything revolves around okay. tyler van dyke they know their success is tied up in one keeping him healthy and and two uh you know playing well yeah i mean there's no doubt and i'm still i'm still nervous until until he gets hit a few times or however many times, you know, I, I still worry about that shoulder, but it's yeah. just so different when you're not, mm-hmm. when you have no contact and you, and they're going to, he's not going to get touched. Like we've said. So, um, yeah, but the, yes, the team definitely revolves around him and it should, he's great. He's like a pro. Yeah. Uh, He's, yeah, there's nothing bad that can be said about him. And I, I sure hope, uh, I sure hope this offense, um, takes, you know, accentuates his abilities. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's good. Accentuates, you know, plays up to his strengths. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about Tyler. I'm looking forward to, you know, we'll see, hopefully we'll see him a little bit in the spring game. Um, and if not, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what he'll look like this season because, it was not that long ago. You know, even at points last year, we were like, all right, this guy's still great. Um, but it, it's been a long time since we saw him put together a, a stretch of, of really good play. And obviously he's uh, an upperclassman now. So, uh, you know, this has got to be – if this team is going to get back to – obviously get back to a bowl, but compete in the ACC, it's it, it all goes through him and, and – I mean, you really get, you know, they've, they've got some other, actually, let's, it's a good moment. I think to pivot I, to our number three takeaway, unless you got anything else on Tyler. No, that's a great segue to yeah, the other, it has to do with Tyler. Right. The he other thing, not. the other way this team can be great is the offensive line. That is, I think to me, uh, another, you know, you could, we, we talk about a lot. You can tell the narrative that they're trying to push a little bit by who we get to talk to after practices. We've got three <laughs> offensive linemen to talk to in three practices. But I mean, it's deserved when you, you know, coming into camp, it was, I think, one of the things that was going to be interesting to see because of how much turnover there was there. Um, obviously, Javion Cohen coming in as a transfer from Alabama, he missed the first practice because he was at the uh, NFL scouting combine, uh, right. an underclass, a seminar intended for underclassmen who are likely to be high draft picks. You know, that guy could be one of the top guard prospects in next year's draft. Um, Matt Lee, who, as I mentioned, we talked to today. Lock seemingly is locked down that center job. It's, it's a shame we're not seeing Zion Nelson, obviously, yeah. um, who only played in one game last year because of um, offseason knee surgery and then a setback. Um, so it's a shame that that's kind of like the the wild card in this conversation. But just getting those two guys in, and we talked to Inez Cooper today, who's gigantic. Like they they've really changed over. Yeah, I, I I think. Last year's offensive line, it's also a shame we didn't get to see them really because Zion, like, I think coming into the year, we thought the line had a chance to be pretty good with Mario 
and Mirabal coaching them up. Obviously, Zion Nelson, you know, had a chance to be one of the best tackles in the country, we thought, if he had stayed healthy. And then just he got hurt. Jalen Rivers got hurt. Justice Olashone got hurt. Um, Ja'Kai Clark missed time, right? Like, it was just every and- everything went wrong for that line. But they really made a concerted effort, obviously, to change over that position by recruiting really well. We'll talk about some of those guys in a second, I'm sure. But also the transfers coming in and and then – you know, really, I mean, it's just a really big group above all else. Like the size stands out. The size does. They And, you know, they, it, it is a shame because they, well, they had four guys that have departed, you know, right. um, at, including Ja'Kai, as far as football goes, mm-hmm. uh, who's transferring to SMU. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, he had played for a few years there. And then um, and John Campbell you know, uh, transferred to Tennessee and then you had to couple other ones and, and you're right. A a lot of them were injured and Mm -hmm. some of them like Zion's a really smart guy, you know, and I, I, you know, they were, they were smart and, and had a lot of years of experience behind them and they were getting injured and it was just kind of sad. They never got a chance to really cement together. Um, uh, but the these new guys, it's kind of fun. You never really know what's going to happen right away because mm-hmm. there's there's some of them are babies. I mean, a couple of them are really young, yeah, were, right in high school and they're early enrollees. Uh, but excuse me, uh, Matt Lee. Um, sorry, seven up. Uh, Matt Lee. Someone more caffeine. <laughs> Uh, Matt Lee seemed like a smart guy today, yep. and, and 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 I liked him. And like I, an energetic passion, right? Like kind of what like you want that. out of like your center, right? To be like definitely, yeah. You love centers. Like centers are usually like that. You really like that. Um, they got to be because they're the. Lead, I mean, he talked about today. They got to be the leader of the offensive line. You got to have that energy, that passion, and all that kind of stuff. And he's definitely got that. And he was good last year too. Yes. an all conference player at at UCF. So not a surprise to see him step right in and and seize that center job from day one of camp yeah uh for sure um you know i think the the question is the well we said it just uh, the zion returning yeah, zion is the x factor in a if lot of and ways. when he returns i'm saying if too because i don't i don't know anything yeah we don't know we going on with him. Yeah. and and um and if he returns and then what would happen with that right you know would inez i don't know yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, seemingly, we should say, like, seemingly, like, throwing Zion out for a second, seems like we got three linemen who are, like, good, and they trust and are going to start. And that's uh, Matt Lee, that's Javion Cohen, and and I'd say Jalen Rivers is in there. Also, oh, we've sure. seen him at left tackle uh, for Jaylen's the most part good. early in camp. But he's yeah. a guy who, obviously, if Zion comes back and plays left tackle, he could go to right tackle, he could play guard. Like, he, his versatility he's really good. is really valuable. He's really yeah. smart. They like him. They've liked him since he got on campus. Um, and then, as you mentioned, Three. who knows what happens to Zion Nelson. If he comes back, it changes some things. Isn't as Cooper going to keep the job? And then, of course, the, the two other guys who are knocking on that door, and certainly one of them we, we saw today get some work with the with the first-team offense first team. was are those two freshman uh, offensive linemen, Francis Mongoa and Samson Lola, both five-star recruits. Um, and again, only day three of camp, there's a key guy missing. Don't read too much into it, but also at the same time, it means something that we saw Francis Mangoa out there playing right tackle with the first team offense for at least a little bit of practice today. They, 
are obviously really high on him and, and, you know, five-star freshmen sometimes come in and that, that kind of stuff doesn't happen. But for him, he, I mean, I, he's going to be a factor here. I think yeah. I mean, he's like, six, 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 right. Is he three thirty three? I don't know what he is. He's big. Uh, um, and um, I've just raved about, you know, continually uh, and, and, and yeah, and now, nowadays in college football, I mean, more freshmen are getting, yeah, getting experience. It used to be that offensive linemen were always redshirted. Yeah. They're just seasoned better now (laughs) and they're seasoned better now in high school, especially those guys who come from IMG where, you know, Francis has basically been playing for like a division two program for the last like two years. I mean, honestly, even better than that, like their, their facilities, their nutrition staff, that's all um, like division one caliber essentially. And what's cool is that, you know, 300 is a six, six, 300 pounds. Sorry. He's not, but uh, yeah, they played together. Oak and Lola. So they, they already have the chemistry. Yeah. We, well, we so, said, we've seen them. We saw them working right. as the two tackles um, at right. the second team yeah. offense. Right. Now, now Francis getting um, some work as the first team tackle. Like it, they, they just got right. a lot of bodies right. and it's something. Right. And as Cooper, I think it was an as Cooper who talked about it today. Just, I asked, I've asked a couple of the offensive linemen, like, you know, what do you think of them really going out and trying to overhaul this offensive line? Like, you know, guys could react one of two ways, right? You could be like disrespected, like, you know, we've, we've got what we needed here. Um, but Inez Cooper was just like, we just need more bodies. And you saw it last year, obviously, with a lot of the injuries. Um, you just needed bodies and, and you know, comp- obviously Mario really stresses competition. Like they've, they've got um, – They've got depth. I, I think this honestly might hold up pretty much across the board. There's a couple of positions where I think they're pretty thin right now. Cornerback is one that stands out, but, um, and obviously right. some positions right now with guys hurt or look thin, but when you start thinking about the guys who fill in those gaps, it, it looks a little bit better in the incoming freshman, but like they kind of seem a lot deeper at a whole bunch of different spots than they were last year. O-line I think is, is the most extreme, but you know, wide receiver, they've got a lot of guys running around out there and a lot of different body types now with Isaiah Horton as a guy who looks like he's going to, he's fairly big, right? He's he's bulked up. Um, And then they've got the fresh, you know, the speedy slot receiver freshman coming in Um, quarterback. They've got two pretty interesting guys, obviously like, uh, I, I think the depth, which is it's hard to build and you, it's not, not built overnight, but I think on the offensive line, we've kind of seen the O-line kind of reach sort of what I think Mario Cristobal would like his vision to look like in terms of having, you really feel like eight plus guys who have a chance to be really good players, I think. And they had their O-linemen, I don't know, like running backs, I guess like everybody yeah. oh, are, are constantly getting hurt and stuff. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, you know, you were you were talking about their reaction, Inez's and as yeah. stuff, all the new people coming in, and uh, you know, Jalen Rivers was great. Uh, the day he talked to us, and he said that it's it's a business. Yeah. Um, which was great. He said it's a business. New people come in, you have to learn how to adapt. Um, and just got to kind of push forward. But I think they're happy about these new people. You know, yeah, I mean, it runs with the theme and it's like, obviously it's kind of all talk right now until we see it, but like, 
you know, we talked to Cam Kinchins the other day and, and what was the quote he gave you? I think you put it in your headline where he's like chasing, uh, chasing greatness. Or well, it's like the idea, like if you're not, if you don't want to, like, if you don't want to compete, oh. get out of the way, basically. And, and right. obviously yeah. it's all talk that until was... we see how it manifests in the season. But like, that's the theme that they're trying to hammer down. It's the theme they tried to hammer down last year too. Um, but that's where we're at now. So, um, I mean, yeah, he it's been a, it. been a fun he couple of days. He good. means it definitely. He means it and definitely, but he can't speak good. for everyone. Yes. Right. So, right. um, I think that'll about wrap things up for us. Um, yeah, it's hard to tell David. It's hard. Yeah, it's just three practices. It's just fun I, to talk about football again and actually be able to is. see some stuff. Um, there, we'll be back. We'll be back. Yeah. Um, we'll see if we'll come back next week. Um, either way, we'll have an episode next week because we'll do basketball, even if we don't do any football talk next week. Right. Um, but, um, you know, after that, we'll be back football reports every week um, on spring practice up until the spring game. What date is the spring game again? Remind me. April 14th. April 14th. So we got a, got a month of these. Got a month of these, right. Friday night game. It's That's Friday. what I'm really looking forward to. Um, but like I said, just fun to talk football again. Um, and you, Susan is out there at practice every every day. I'm, I'm out there. I don't know, but Barry and I, Barry Jackson, I kind of split up days out there. But you're out there every day, so you can follow her on Twitter at SMillerDegnan. Uh, she's got all your coverage of Miami football. You can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson too. I'm out there a lot too. And yeah, I mean, between that and college basketball, March Madness, it's, it's my favorite time of the year. So true. Uh, and we're both in spring break now. Yeah. Spring break. <laughs> exactly. Um, like you said, Miami going on spring break. So we'll be quiet down a little bit, but then we'll be right back at it in a couple of weeks here. Um, so thanks as always for listening and we will talk to you guys next week.